Good evening. If you would, turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and we'll be looking at verse number 1 tonight. Pastor, I want to thank you uh, for the opportunity uh, to be preaching tonight. And as I came to church this morning through prayer time, through Sunday school, through the morning service, uh, even through the testimonies that we heard just a few minutes ago, it is clear how God is working things together because there's a certain message I believe that he wants us to all get tonight. So I'm going to ask that you just ask the Lord, show, show me. Show me what I can learn from this message, what I can get out of this message, Lord, how I can be changed and how I can be used by you. <clears throat> Back in 1850, there was a gentleman named Charles Blondin. Now, Charles Blondin was a French daredevil. Okay, and one day he decided he was going to do something crazy, and I think it's crazy, so I'm sure you think it's crazy. He was going to put a tightrope from one edge of Niagara Falls to the other, from America's side over to Canada's side. And so he does, though. And he begins to walk across this tightrope, and he's having a, just a good old time. He gets so used to doing it, just walking across the tightrope wasn't enough anymore. And so he becomes a little bit famous. People are watching him do it. And so he gets a manager, and he becomes to get a little bit, he's like, you know, this is old hat just walking across this tightrope. I'm going to do some more things. So he actually walks backwards across this tightrope from America over to Canada, 200 feet below him to his death. Nothing for him. Then he puts a sack over his head and walks across the tightrope. Well, that wasn't enough either. So then he gets a backpack full of a stove and, and a little table set, and he walks to the middle of this tightrope, and he sits down, and he cooks himself some breakfast and has it right there in the middle of the tightrope. And then he gets a wheel, uh, wheelbarrow, and he pushes it towards uh, the side, and he gets, uh, sees a crowd below him, and he yells out, Hey, who would like to see a man in this wheelbarrow go across? And everybody's hooting, Yeah, yeah. And he's like, Who would be that man? And they all crickets, you know, no, nobody said a thing. And so him and his manager came up with this, an idea. They would offer $1,000 to anyone who would be on the back of Charles Blondin as he walks across from America over to Canada on this tightrope. And so two people actually signed up. Well, on the day that actually happened, one backed out, and then the other person got up to the edge of the tightrope, and he saw the wind, he saw the water, and he's like, ah. This is not, I'm not going to do that. No, not, not doing it. Okay, so Charles is in a bit of a pickle, right? Because he has a crowd, he has people watching, he has money on stake here. So he looks to his manager, Harry Colcord, and he says, Harry, you're going to have to do it. And Harry's thinking about the money, he's thinking about his life, he's thinking about the money, and somehow... Harry gets on the back of Charles Blondin and walks across, uh, is carried across from America's side over to Canada's side. But as he's walking about hmm, one-fourth of the way, he begins to have that, the wind blowing. He sees the waves blow him, and he gets a little nervous, and so he starts trying to correct. And then Charles, he, he leans over to Harry. He says, Harry, you are no longer Colcord. You are Blondin. Until we get clear of this place, be a part of me. Be a part of my mind, my body, my soul. If I sway, you sway with me. Do not attempt to be any balancing yourself. If you do, we are all going to die. So these men were successful because he went from America's side over to Canada's side, had a great time. They're both alive. Yeah, he actually did not die on the tightrope, by the way. He just, I think he died of old age, but 
Yeah. <clears throat> Didn't die being a daredevil, just, just, just died. <clears throat> but these men were only successful because Colcord was willing to sacrifice his natural urges to correct and to fully surrender to the will of Blondin. Let me ask you this. Have you ever wondered where we would be in 50 years? Have you, have you ever wondered? Now, some of you are like, I don't know if I got 50 years. You might. I don't know. Maybe you're, some of you are like, I don't really want to think about 50 years. But have you ever thought about where will we be in 50 years? When I, and on a serious note, when I think about what is ahead and what we're going to face, what will we do as Christians when the time comes? Because I'm praying that we will be ready to face what is ahead. And as we are seeing what's going on in this country, it is more and more uh, frightful what we might have to face in the very near future. But as I look at Christianity, I, I'm a bit nervous. We have Christians that have, are flippantly attending church. They, they're not faithful to church as much as they used to be. We have Christians that are refused to commit to Christian service like they once did. And now we have Christians who flirt with the things of this world. And if we do not make the decision of call cord, we are going to fail. You see, we live in a very interesting society. We could have anything that we want. Think about this. Every ad on TV, every ad on social media, in, in, in fact, your phone is listening to you for the purpose of giving you whatever you want, when you want it, and how you want it. So think about this. You can have your groceries dropped off to your front door with a click of a button. You can have a prearranged list. You can have it set in your schedules, and it can be delivered to your front door. You don't even have to see people anymore. Isn't that great? Yeah. Then you can also take your dry cleaning, place it on your front door on the knob, go to work, come back, and it's already taken away and brought back by the time you get home. You can also, if you're choosing to be healthy or happy, whatever it is, you can choose what kind of meal you want for that night, hit a button, and in an hour it's delivered to your house. Church, we have one of nothing. We don't have to care about anything in this world. If we want it, we hit a button on Amazon, it's there the next day. We have no wants of anything in this life. We are truly blessed. But I believe it's because we are blessed. And blessed by God that we have forgotten about what our responsibility is. And I believe that this mentality of getting whatever we want, whenever we want, and however we want it, has bled in our, our belief of the church. It's bled over into our thoughts about Christianity and ultimately is bled over into our relationship with Jesus Christ. Many will say this, and I've heard it been said before. I want to get as much as I can out of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And you hear that, you're like, oh yeah, that's, that sounds nice. But think about it. I want to get as much as I can out of my relationship with Jesus Christ. But church, that is the exact opposite of what we should be doing. Our Christian life is not dependent upon what we can get from Jesus Christ. It is what we get to offer Jesus Christ. Look with me at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for you. We're thankful, Lord, that you look down upon us, knowing every single thought that we think, knowing every action that we would ever commit, Lord, and you choose to love us anyway. 
And I pray as Paul has prayed that we, Lord, would give of ourselves, our lives, our, our thoughts, every aspect of ourselves into an ultimate sacrifice for you, Lord. That when people think of Central Baptist Church, Lord, they don't think about the individuals, but they think about you and what you are doing here. In Christ's holy and righteous name I pray. Amen. Paul here, Paul is writing to a church that is the center of an empire. The world at this time is run by Rome. Now, when Rome dominated nations and countries, there was two options. They would either, either enslave them or they would make them free cities. Now, if you were a free city, you got to be part of the full customs and, and procedures of Rome. But Rome itself, the city, the, the capital, was the crown jewel of the world at this time. They, Romans, could receive any of the goods, and any of the desires that they had. If they wanted a nice little silky dress, they can get a nice little silky dress. If they wanted nice shoes or boots, they could get those boots. If they wanted some fine cuisine, they could get that fine cuisine. They had sports. They had entertainment. They had everything they could ever want. But yet this was also a very wicked place. Incest, immorality, uh, sexual sins were rampant. You could, there were uh, temples where they were just doing filthy, filthy, filthy things. And unfortunately, my, my mind, when I'm thinking about Rome, lines up very similar to what we're facing here in America. But even in a filthy and perverse empire, there's a body of believers who want to know more about Jesus Christ and are hungry for God's word. And so Paul writes to them. He takes 11 chapters to explain to them that Jesus who Jesus was and who he is because of the gospel and where we are in our standing with Jesus Christ. And it's because of Jesus Christ that we have all these benefits, but he is faithful because he was faithful to the Israelites. And now he comes to chapter 12. He says, it's coming to this point. I want you to get this. I need you to understand that Jesus' sacrifice was not in vain. There is so much more. He says, I beseech you therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, he tells them that everything that I've explained to you up to this point, I am begging you. I am on my knees. I'm pleading to you. Get this. By the mercies of God, you will get a hold of this. That you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And after hearing this, I, I'm sure that these people are a bit of shock, right? Because they're, they're thinking, they know what it is to sacrifice. Now, we, we have never really sacrificed animals before, but they have, right? Whether it was to false gods or if they were even thinking about what Paul was talking about in other chapters about the Old Testament sacrifices. We are the most familiar with the burnt offering, right? Where there would be a spotless animal, typically a lamb, presented to a priest. It would be killed and then it would be burnt up. We, we understand that. But there's the sin, there's the guilt, there's peace. There's all these other offerings. And, but regardless of what the sacrifice was, it was understood that this would be the very best, whether it was animal or possession or any other thing. And they understood this, that the sacrifice is giving away of something that is costly to the person. And church, what could be more valuable to a person than themselves? What could be more costly to us than our own bodies? But the plead here is that the person, a Christian, would give every single aspect of their life over to Jesus Christ, withholding nothing back from him. Because a sacrifice that is not a total sacrifice is not a sacrifice. Imagine with me a burnt offering. 
Somebody goes up to offer a lamb up to a priest. It's a, a spotless lamb. But he's looking at that lamb. And he's like, mmm, that's a nice lamb that I'm offering. I really like that back left leg. You know what, priest? You can have the entire lamb, but that back left leg, I'm going to keep that left leg. That's going to be my left leg. That, what? Priest just looking at him crazy. He then looks at the fluffy tail of that sheep or lamb, and he's like, ooh, that's a nice fluffy lamb. I can make a keychain out of that lamb. Ah, oh. Priest, you can take every part of the lamb except the back left leg and the fluffy tail. The priest would laugh him to scorn, kick him out of the temple. Why? Because it's ridiculous. But how much more ridiculous is it for us as Christians to say, you know what, God? You can take every part of my life but this. I'm going to offer you every single thing. You can have my entertainment. You can have this. But God, this little part of my life, I'm going to hold back. This is mine. But yet, church, that's exactly what we do. And that is the same thing that is true of a living sacrifice. Every aspect of our life, whether God chooses to use a certain aspect or not, should be under complete and utter control of our God. So tonight, we're going to look at a few examples or aspects of a living sacrifice. Now, I want you to understand this. The, the first point is a non-negotiable, okay? It's something that has to happen for a living sacrifice. But the rest of it, that's just some examples, uh, there's something that as I was going into this sermon, there's some aspects of a sacrifice that God spoke to me personally about. And just because I don't name it here in this sermon may not, it doesn't mean that God is not speaking to you about it. So you need to ask God personally, God, what is it about my life? What is it that I'm holding back that you want me to offer up to yourself? But the first aspect that we need to see this evening is this. <clears throat> a living sacrifice is holy and acceptable unto God. Our God, church, does not desire a dirty, filthy, second-hand sacrifice. I just came back from a trip with uh, Mrs. Combe, my mother-in-law. We had a really good time. But when you travel on trips, you expect a certain standard uh, when you're dealing with hospitality, staying somewhere, right? Whether it's at a friend's house, an Airbnb, a hotel, you expect a certain level of what? Hospitality, cleanliness, right? So imagine with me, if you walk into a room <clears throat> and you see a mirror, and on that mirror is a lovely, smashed up banana cream pie dripping down the, the whole thing from the top to the bottom of a, of, of a mirror. And then you are thinking about, you know what, that was very thoughtful of them. They know I like banana cream pies. So then you go over to the couch and you see an iron that's been left on and it's going down in the middle of the couch. There's a huge hole and you're thinking, you know what, they must have thought that I needed to iron my clothes. Or you go over to the bed and you put your head on the pillow and you turn over and you see a smelly, stinky, brown, crusty sock. Not a chocolate, a sock. And you're thinking, man, that was very thoughtful of them. No, you would be running down to that front desk and you'd say, hey, this room has not been cleaned. This room has not been touched. Why? Because you are not going to use a dirty room. You are not going to use a dirty cup. Then why would, church, we offer a dirty vessel to our God? Amen. Why? Why would we say, it's okay for me to do this? God, it's okay for me to turn back to this. Why is it we offering up our own self, but we're not ready to get those things cleaned in our own lives? See, the sacrifice that was offered to the priest was always without blemish. Jesus Christ was the perfect spotless lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. And when we accepted his free gift of salvation, his righteousness is now being clothed 
clothing us. It's not our own righteousness. When God looks at us, He doesn't see Joe Carpenter anymore. He sees Christ's righteousness. But when we as Christians turn back to sin and we refuse to obey God's word, then we turn back to the filth that we were saved from. See, you may come to church and listen, I hope you do. I hope you serve. You might come to church and serve God faithfully. But if you are not obeying and loving the Lord and having a heart for the Lord, it is all in vain. This was even true of the Old Testament sacrifices. Even though a Jew may follow the law and the sacrifices, if his heart was not right, God did not want it. Psalm 51, 16 and 17 says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise. But you see, we still harbor sin. We want to hold on to these little things and we keep going back to it. But I'm telling you today, God is not going to deal with a dirty sacrifice. God wants no part of it. You see, we cannot be a living sacrifice if we're living in sin because you are not falling after the things of God and His holiness, but you're falling after your own fleshly desires. But also, we cannot be living a living sacrifice if you're pursuing the things of this world. Chapter 12, verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is, that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He says we cannot be conformed to this world, but we need to be transformed. And we cannot serve both God and mammon. So why would we turn back to the place that God had saved us from? See, we look at this world, we see it's entertainment, we see it's, it's fun, we see the music, we see the sinful acts. And sometimes we're enticed by those things. Have we not seen Christians fall to those things? Christians that we would never expect fall back into the ways of sin, but yet they are going that way. Do we not see churches going that way? Very similar to what Pastor was saying this morning. If we are supposed to be a different, if we are supposed to be the soul and light of this world, why then are we trying to identify ourselves with this world? Let me ask you this question. If somebody is up here and there's a smoke machine in a church and there's a strobe lights in a church and there's a drum set in the church, are they trying to identify themselves with God or this world? If there's a lady on the stage in tight clothes and she's dancing around, are they trying to identify themselves with the world or God? But yet, we look at the things, we see the fancy apps, we look at all the fads, and we're like, ooh, that would be nice. That, that song that's very famous on TikTok, that would be cool. Oh, man, if I could do this, if I could do that. And we look at this world and we're enticed by it. But a Christian has to, a living sacrifice has to be holy and acceptable unto God. Putting away sin, putting away the desires of this world, and completely sold out for Jesus Christ. The second thing, the second aspect that we need to give up if you're taking notes, is your possessions. We are told to, not, to lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. See, some of us have much, and some of us have little. But the commandment of giving to the Lord does not have a stipulation based on your financial status. 
And when I think of sacrificial giving, I think about what Jesus said about the Pharisee who had a change purse and he wanted everybody else's attention. So he said, look at me, look what I'm giving to God. And he lays it down and he gives this great offering, a very wealthy offering up to God. But then a widow comes over and gives a mite, gives a little bit of what she gave, all that she had. And Jesus said, listen, she is the one who truly sacrificed because the sacrifice is not based about the amount given but based on the sacrifice of the amount that she had. See, many of us gave the faith promise, and listen, that was awesome. We went above and beyond what we did last year, and last year was an amazing amount. But let me ask you this. Have we given of ourselves sacrificially? See, it's easy for us to give the, of the abundance that we have in our life, but is it, it is so difficult for us to give of our need. And I'm encouraging you this. If God is laying upon your heart, don't hold back. Give. Give. Because a sacrifice that would not be a sacrifice if it costs us nothing. The third truth is we need to be willing to give of our time in our service. <clears throat> See, one's time is the most valuable and cherished possession that one has. Once time is spent, you can never get it back. It can never be returned. And I believe that's why so many of us guard our time. And listen, there's nothing wrong with guarding your time. But a person who is living a life of a sacrifice, he gives of his time and his energy to the Lord freely. See, but why is it that we are so willing to get rid of the things of God, but yet when, when we want to go to a, a game... We want to go do something cool. We, are like, we have this all planned out and there's nothing that's going to stop us. But when there's just one hiccup and we're tired or, or we're just exhausted and you know what? I just don't have the time today. Our personal devotions go out the window. There should be a time every day that is set aside specifically for reading your Bible and praying and communing with God. It's a non-negotiable this is the time. Nothing's going to stop me from doing this. Why is it that when we get tired and when we get maybe even lazy, whenever we get overwhelmed, we get consumed, the first thing it is, you know what, I'm tired, I'm going to miss Sunday services. I'm going to miss Sunday school. Oh, I had a hard day at work, I'm going to miss church on Wednesday night. Why is it the things of God are the, always the first things to leave, but the things that we were going to plan for Friday night, that thing gets not, doesn't get touched. Those things that belong to the Lord are the Lord's. This is, a side that is, this is something that is set aside for Him and for Him to be used and worshipped in our own lives. It's not something to be compromised. But on the other side of that, now listen, I want you to get this. You might come to church every Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night. But listen, God did not just come up, call us to come and sit in a church pew and do nothing. He has called us into service. He has called us to give up the energy and to do whatever he has called us to do. And that requires for us to sacrifice our time and energy to do it. So let me ask you this. When was the last time you actually told somebody about Jesus Christ? When was the last time you witnessed to somebody and you actually gave the gospel to someone? Has it been a day? A week? A month? A year? See, I I would hope that all of us say, oh, it was just a couple of days ago. But I'm afraid that we would, if we had to speak it and say it out loud, we'd say, you know, it's been years 
since I truly told somebody about Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you might say, Brother Joe, I'm, I'm tired, and this is my time. And yes, that may be true. But I want you to understand this. When we give of our substance, we give of our possessions, we give it over to God, he's always able to meet our needs. When we give of our time and we say, God, this is going to be the time that is set aside for you. I'm going to give you this time. He's always able to get the other things done in our lives that we need to get done. And when we give of our energy, and though we might be tired, if we give it over to God, when we get, God will always give us the energy and the ability to do what he has called us to do. It's not that he's just going to leave us and say, I'm going to drive you into the ground. When we give to God, he's always able to sustain us. Amen. And lastly, we need to be willing to give of our ambitions and the known. Jesus said, whosoever shall follow after me, let him deny himself, pick up, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Church, the problem is not that God is no longer calling people into the service or the ministry. It's not that we don't have a need in the bus ministry anymore. It's not that we don't have a need for Sunday school workers in the children's ministry. It's not that we don't need workers in Kiglo or Living Proof. It's not that the, we have a, a Bible in every single language across this world. It's not that we have a church of Bible preaching in every single town and village across this world. That's not the case. God is still calling people to do the things. He's still calling people to serve. The problem is people aren't answering the call anymore. See, if we are willing to give of our ambitions and our future, we're, I think we're afraid. What, what if I give of myself and of my time, my ambitions, my future? What if I turn my life over to Christ? He's going to send me to the deepest, darkest parts of Africa. I'm never going to be seen and heard of from again. And that may be true, but he might just ask you to do the bus ministry. But regardless, if it's the bus ministry, Sunday school, or the deepest parts of Africa, what an honor it would be. Church, I think we have the wrong perspective. When God uses us and calls us into service, whether that be in education or visitation or the bus ministry, it is an honor and a privilege that God would use me to communicate his will, to tell others about him. It's an honor for us to go to an African village and tell other people about Jesus Christ. We have the wrong perspective here. But yet, do you not think Abram was a little bit afraid when he was called from the land of Ur as he entered a place that he did not know? The problem was not that he was not afraid. It was that he was willing to sacrifice everything and surrender it to God. In church, we must be willing to do the same thing. See, we think about Abram and we're like, he had such great faith. But the thing was, he surrendered. He sacrificed. He was willing to go. So let me ask you this. Why? Why do we sacrifice? The end of the verse says, which is your reasonable service? The Greek word here is where we get the word logic or uh, reasonable, right? Or reason. Paul is saying that giving of yourself, a living sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice is logical. It makes sense. Why is that? Because look with me at Romans chapter 11, verse 36, the verse right before that. It says, For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Why do we sacrifice? Because we belong to God. 
It was God in the beginning that formed us. He formed man from the dust of the ground, and then he knew us. He knew us in our mother's womb. He knows every single aspect of our lives, and because of him, all things consist. But if that wasn't enough, we ought to give him the ultimate sacrifice because he redeemed us. When I think of redemption, the story of redemption, I think back to Hosea when he was called by God to go and to marry a harlot. And so he marries a harlot named Gomer, and he goes out, and they have a beautiful ceremony. They get together, and they have a family, have the children together. But Gomer decided she was going to go back into the world. And so she got back into her old habits, began to get back in relationships, and began to pros- become a prostitute again. And eventually, after doing this, she got caught and sold back into slavery, into prostitution, leaving her family, her husband, behind. But when God got got a hold of Hosea, he said this, I want you to redeem her. I want you to buy her back. Even though she left you, even though she gave up everything and she went back to these things, I want you to redeem her. And so what does he do? He goes and he redeems her and he brings her back into the family. Is that not a beautiful picture? Our God, knowing every single thing that we've ever thought, every action that we've ever committed, even though we blaspheme in his name, and even though we continue to mess up, he was willing to make himself of a servant and come down, leave his heavenly throne for the purpose of reconciliation with us so that he could have a relationship with us He gave up his time. He gave up his money. He gave up everything, including his life, for the purpose of us. So how dare we say, you know what, God? That's my time. You know what, God? That's my service. Those are my ambitions. Those are my dreams. That's my sin that I'm holding on to. Does it not all belong to Christ? See, church, this is not a new teaching. This is something that was not hidden away, and that we as Christians today cannot attain to. This is what Christians of the past caught and grabbed onto. These were people that we would consider giants of the faith, and you're like, wow, how could they do these things? How could they see such great movement and see the power of God behind them? And we would think of these people like the disciples, the apostles, um, the church martyrs such as Stephen and Polycarp. John Wycliffe, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Spurgeon, D.L. Moody, Billy Sunday, John R. Rice, Lester Roloff, Curtis Hudson, Jack Hiles, Lee Robertson, Dr. Jesse Bloom, and Pastor Bloom. And we look at these men, these great men of faith, and we'd say, there has to be a secret. And if you talk to them and you talk to Pastor, as he's already said tonight, there is no secret. I've just given up my life to God. It's not what I've done, but it's what God has done through me. And you might say, well, these were all great men of God, and they were called to preach, and you're right. But God will use anyone who is willing to sacrifice. Mr. Lloyd's already said it tonight. In 1940, 14 sold-out Christians gathered together to pray that God would raise up a church here in Ocala, Florida. These people were Mrs. R.H. Floyd, Mrs. J. Pratter, Mr. and Mrs. Pat Gerard, Mr. and Mrs. Carl Prince, Miss Lucy Bailey, Mr. Roland Gerard, Mrs. J.T. Jennings, Mr. Claude Jennings, Miss Junie Bailey, Mrs. Evelyn Gerard, Miss Hazel Thomas, and Mr. J.T. Jennings Jr. They met for a year to pray and beseech God, and finally God led them to start that church 
in June of 1941. A month later, they bought a building. A month after that, in August, they start their first missionary in the church. And as Mr. Lloyd likes to say, and if I get this wrong, I apologize. They planted the seeds of shade trees that they themselves would not enjoy. See, they gave of themselves and sacrificed so we today would have a place of worship. Imagine with me, church, what we would see if one person was completely sold out to Jesus Christ and completely sacrificed to God. We wouldn't have to worry about the future. We wouldn't have to worry. We wouldn't have to worry about time and, and energy and ambition because it, it would be all belonging to Jesus Christ. Blondin, Harry, you are no longer called Cord. You are Blondin. Until I clear this place, be a part of me, mind, body, and soul. If I sway, you sway with me. Do not attempt to do balancing to of yourself. If you do, we will both go to our death. See, again, they were only successful because he was willing to sacrifice himself to do the will of Blondin. Church, I don't know where you are. Like I said this, uh, when I was going into the sermon, God spoke to me about specific areas that I need to surrender over to him and sacrifice to him. And that if we were honest, there are, there's an area in our own lives that God is speaking to that we need to get right or give over to him. But wouldn't it be an amazing thing if it would be named about Central Baptist Church that we were Christians that gave the ultimate sacrifice? Let's pray.